Hey there, welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Josh Machine, and this is episode number 252. The RV Entrepreneur is a community for people who are interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere. Our goal is to support and inspire entrepreneurs in and around the RV community. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Alyssa Paget. Alyssa is the co-founder of the RV Entrepreneur Community and has just published her second book, RVing Across America, A Quest to Visit All 50 States. Back in 2014, when she and Heath got married, Alyssa convinced Heath to take her to all 50 states for their honeymoon. Somehow, he got her to do it all in an RV. And while traveling, Alyssa directed and produced Hourly America, their documentary film about their 50-state honeymoon and Heath's working an hourly job in each state that was featured on CBS, CNN, Fox, People, Yahoo, Huffington Post, and many more. After visiting all 50 states in that year, Alyssa fell even more in love with travel and spent the following years RVing all over the world. Today, Alyssa and her family still travel as much as they can and will actually be enjoying Italy when this book and the podcast release. In this episode, Alyssa and I talk about how the book is a memoir version of the documentary and why she felt the desire to share that year's experiences with the world. How it feels to be pioneers in a lifestyle that has gained so much popularity and traction in the past couple years what Alyssa took from this year of experiences and decided to write a book instead of publishing a blog post and what the different facets of making that decision were. And actually, she wrote the book twice. She goes into details about how that can be and what had transpired over the eight years that it actually took to complete this book. And with that brief introduction, let's jump into the episode with Alyssa. Well, Alyssa, welcome back to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. It's been almost 10 months since you've been on podcast, and I think if you were to look back on your year in review, quite a bit has changed in your life in 12 months. Yeah, I don't even remember the last time I was on the podcast. I looked what was it I up talking about? The campground. You guys were talking about, we're, we're building oh. the campground, come stay with us. And it was a, oh. a short half-hour episode about the campground in Montrose. Yeah, that didn't age well, did it? <laughs> some things have changed for sure some i don't think at that point you guys knew that heath was shutting down the podcast i mean maybe it had been you know i'm not feeling this anymore but mm. you definitely didn't know you were selling the campground so lots of things are changing and now we've got you on to talk about another big change you wrote another book yes yes i finally did it about our our first year on the road going to all 50 states which was in 2014, so eight years ago now. That makes you old. It makes me feel so old. You know how Facebook pulls up your memories from years ago? Heath showed mm-hmm. me one yesterday that was 10 years ago. We did Easter at my parents' house together, and we had like just started dating. So we have 10 Easters together, 10. I'm like, wow. no, no, no. I'm way too, I'm too young to have been with someone for that long. So, but this book you just finished or in the process of finishing is kind of mm-hmm. chronicling your side of the story of Hourly America. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, he's definitely in it. You know, he's a main character, but it's really my perspective on we decided to go to all 50 states for our honeymoon. And we came up with this at the time, very wild idea to do it all in an RV, which, you know, now there's so many people RVing that all the campgrounds across the country are full. But back then there was not a lot of information on the website for people that were young like us and wanted to full-time travel. And we kind of jumped into RVing with no research, no experience. We never RVed before. And as you might imagine, 
we made a lot of mistakes and broke a lot of things and got lost in, in all the whole gamut of crazy things that happen when you're new to traveling. And so I really wanted to chronicle all of that in a book and really share what it's like starting to RV. Cause I have a book that's very much like, you know, here's what a black tank is. And like, here's how your jacks work and what's important about the RV and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted something that really encapsulated what life was like on the road from like boondocking by a national park to like being at a really crappy RV park because you didn't know how to research parks before you showed up. And so not only did you guys jump into RVing, but you had a very loose plan of how you're going to fund living on the road. Yeah, I think that's something that we were 23 whenever we started RVing. And I feel like that really shows it because we really just had blind faith that our income of zero dollars would somehow get us to all 50 states. And he likes to say, you know, like I, I work really well when like my back is against the wall and I like have to figure something out. And we, that's what we did. We put our backs up against the wall and we're like, Hey, if we break down in North Dakota, we're going to live in North Dakota. Cause we're not going to have the, the money to actually make it back to Texas where we lived or to actually complete our journey of going to all 50 States. So we knew we had to get creative and get creative really fast if we wanted to actually make it to all 50 states in a year, which was our set time frame. It's interesting. You know, I've watched Hourly America and you guys started filming that two days after your wedding. Take mm-hmm. me back a little bit. What was going through your mind when your husband comes to you and says, Hey, for a honeymoon, we're going to get in an RV, not only get in an RV, but didn't you guys have some issues where you're going to have a truck camper and then it fell through before you got Franklin? Yeah. I mean, you didn't have anything lined up and he's like, yep, let's go, uh, let's go travel and work at these odd jobs. What was going through your mind at that point? So we were in a spot and it was March, 2014. We had literally two months before we were saying we we're going to leave on this trip. The truck camper that we were going to buy had like just fallen through. We didn't know what rig we were going to take. Heath had just um, left his job slash lost his job so we lost like all of our income that was coming in and he comes to me and he's like babe I've got it I'm gonna work a job in all 50 states and I'm like we've literally been sitting here trying to find remote jobs remote jobs like we're not the way they are now there was only remote customer service reps and they had all these requirements for like internet and the hours you needed to work and we're like this is not going to be conducive to the traveling that we want to do. So like we couldn't right. find a remote job. And then he comes to me and he's like, babe, I'm going to work 50 jobs in this next year. And I looked at him and I was like, that is, that's stupid. No, you're not going to do that. We can't even find one job and you want to find 50. That was out of the realm of possibility. I was like, we don't even have an RV. This is just not, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. And being Heath, Heath, if you tell him something is not possible or he can't do something, that's like the biggest motivation for him, right? So he comes back maybe a week later, like it was a really short time frame. And he's like, I found this company. They're called Snag a Job. I reached out to them, sent him a cold email, hopped on the phone with this guy. They want to pay us to go to all 50 states so that I can do this 50 job thing. And he went out to Virginia where they're headquartered and sat down with the team and like brainstormed and negotiated. And he got them to 
agree to sponsor us and pay us a thousand dollars a month for the next seven months that we thought it was going to take us to go to the lower 48, which was really when my mindset switched from this is a terrible idea. I don't know how this is possible to, okay, now we actually have our first income stream on the road. We're going to be sponsored travelers. It sounds like you guys set yourself up in this situation that both of you thrive in. You put your backs against the wall. You've got a small safety net of snag a job. But mm-hmm. I mean, a thousand dollars traveling as much distance as you guys did trying to get to all lower 48 and then flying to Alaska and, and Hawaii. That's not quite enough to make it. What are some of the things that you talk about in the book that were success stories of how you felt cornered and you guys found your way out? So the first income stream for both of us on the road, as far as like trying to figure out a business to start, because Heath always knew he wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always knew I wanted to write books. And so we were like, well, let's kind of put these things together. He's like, you know, we're going to be freelance writers. And he wrote a blog post for Good Sam. Everyone kind of knows of Good Sam in the RVing space. And they were looking for someone to write consistently for them. And they were going to pay $25 a blog post, which if you've ever written a blog, yeah, if you've ever written a blog, like it's going to take you multiple hours. So you're getting paid significantly less than minimum wage if you're doing like $25 an hour blog post. But I found another one for do-it-yourself RV. And keep in mind, this was all eight years ago. But the editor over there said he would pay me eight cents a word to write a blog post. So if I'm writing a thousand word blog post, that's like 80 bucks, which was significantly more than what Good Sam was paying. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And we're both writing blogs for these companies. And we had snag job money coming in. And we asked people to donate money to our honeymoon fund instead of wedding gifts. Mm-hmm. All together that first month, we made like $2,000, which was really exciting at the time because it was like, hey, we actually found a way to make money. We're actually doing this, but we spent $4,000 that first right. month. Right. And so we were like, okay, we have to find ways to camp for cheaper. We had paid for pretty much every single campsite that month and we had breakdowns and gas was $4 a gallon and we were out on the West coast where everything is more expensive. We're like, okay, we've got to get strategic. We'll lower our burn rate. We'll camp for free in parking lots or with friends or wherever we can. And we'll keep writing and keep trying to increase that revenue stream. Because as much as we wanted to be writers, we're looking at all these places where we thought maybe we could write. And again, RVing wasn't as popular in 2014. So there weren't, there wasn't an abundance of brands and companies in the space that were looking for bloggers and looking for content like there has been in the past few years. And so it was really hard to even get these websites to understand why they needed a blog or why it could be helpful to have these people who are full-time traveling, sharing stories about what it was like living on the road and going to these national parts, et cetera. When we were in that Western part of the country, so like the first two months of traveling that as much as we wanted to write and it was making us money, but it was making us less than $150 a month, we needed to find something that was going to have a much higher margin. So I have two follow-up questions with that. The first one's pretty simple. As a writer, which pricing model do you prefer when doing writing for other people, a by the article or by the word? 
that is the only by the word I've ever been paid for was that website. Okay. Everyone else is by the article. I like by the article better. I feel like if you're writing by the word, it's like you're counting in your head the whole the whole time. Yeah, you're like, what flowery adjectives can mm-hmm. I add in front of the word RV? Let me get creative. But a lot of blogs now, they say like, you know, we're going to pay you $250, a thousand word minimum, and you have to have like XYZ high res photos to go with it. And they're kind of like packages that way. You and Heath were pioneers in this whole entrepreneurial RV lifestyle. Talk to me about how that feels, knowing that you guys, when you started this journey, you were some of the only people doing it and definitely the only people doing it publicly and at your age. How does that feel knowing now that you were at the beginning of this bell curve, that now that there's this entire industry surrounded around exactly what you guys were doing? What is that? Yeah. How does that feel? It feels weirder when you say it like that, because it doesn't feel like at the time it was really scary. And like, we have no idea what we're doing. No one else is doing this. Is it even possible? But like now, pretty much all of my friends travel full time and work remotely or like run their own business. So it's just like the norm to me I think that no matter what you know culture was going that way because with the internet and with so many of these like startups and innovative companies introducing this idea of working remotely as a benefit and stuff like that it was kind of inevitable and when we started the only young people that we found that were making money on the road by like running their own business was Jason and Nikki Wynn of Gone with the Winds. And I remember they did a blog interview with us, probably like halfway, I think halfway through our trip because someone in Pennsylvania saw the blog post and let us camp at their church parking lot for free. Mm-hmm. So I very vividly remember that that came out of that article, but they were asking us, you know, like to share how we make money and travel because they were trying to share more stories like that on the blog. And that was kind of a big moment for us of recognizing like, there are people out there who want to read this stuff because these big bloggers are writing about it. So they must know what they're talking about. Right. And that was when we were like, you know what, let's just create it. Let's just create this community of people that are working remotely. And and we hadn't come up with the term RV entrepreneur yet, but shortly after we finished our 50 state journey is when we created the Facebook group and he started recording his first couple episodes of the RV entrepreneur podcast. It wasn't until like early 2016, I think until he released them because it was kind of this Mm -hmm. big, scary thing where whenever we told people that this was kind of the next thing we thought we were going to do, they were like, oh, cool. You're going to record a podcast for 10 people because that's (laughs) the only amount of people that would care about RVing full-time and running a business. And obviously that audience was much, much bigger than anyone, anyone realized. But yeah, that first year on the road when we were trying to figure out if we could be sponsored travelers and just find a lot of sponsors, if we could find a way to write a hundred articles a month so that we could actually cover our expenses. It was kind of all just this big, giant learning curve of, you know what, there's not a lot of resources to teach us how to figure this out. We just have to try, try, try and see what makes money and see what doesn't. How long has this book been in you? I started this book in January, 2015, and I wrote it, like wrote it all January and February of 2015. 
we were in Santa Cruz, California, and Heath was doing a client project with a guy named Zha Zhang, and we were filming an online course for him and helping him plan his 50-state book tour, and that took a lot of Heath's time, and I worked on my book in that time, and I remember at the end of those two months, I had Heath sit down and read it, and it was like 15, 20,000 words. It was not not super long. It was It was a really, really short book. And he looked at me and he was like, where's the rest of it? I was like, oh, okay. I clearly need to, I clearly skipped over things. And I reread a little bit of it. And I, as I've been writing this book in the past year and it was totally terrible. Like I was, I was new to writing. I'd written a few articles, but I was like so excited to write this book. And we hadn't even finished going to all 50 States when I was writing it, which I think was one of the other hard parts of trying to write it when I had no experience was I didn't even know like, oh, why don't you finish the journey, pull together the lessons that you learned throughout the whole thing, and then try to write the book. So I wrote it then, got really discouraged when Heath was like, where's the rest of it? And I was like, you know what? This project is going to be way too hard, probably won't make as much, much money. Let's focus on like building a video production business instead and actually making enough to cover our expenses did that for a few years, kind of forgot about the book. I picked it back up. I looked and um, I used a, a, a like WordPress software called Pressbooks that I write my book in. Mm-hmm. And it says I created the book file in March of 2019 or May of 2019, one of the two, which either one, I would have been like enormously pregnant with Ellie, but I was like apparently committed that I was going to start this book that I don't have any, yeah, I don't have any memory of this, but apparently like according to the data, that's when I decided I was going to like get back into this book. But I wrote most of it in 2020 when we were traveling in our RV with little infant Ellie. And then as she got older, it's like, oh, you know, now she's not napping three times a day. So I don't have as much time to write. And it's kind of like, fallen off multiple times me writing this book and then I was like determined I'm gonna finish it before Eli was born and then we bought a campground and then we planned a summit and so like my book got pushed aside again so it's kind of like always been that project and I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have that project where it's like that thing that they want to do but then something more urgent comes up or something more profitable comes up and it just gets pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and I remember in January, Heath had just gone back to work. Like my self-imposed maternity leave was like up and I was supposed to be getting back to work and Eli wasn't sleeping and Ellie was sick. And I just looked at Heath and I was like, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to finish this book. Like it's just impossible. Life keeps getting in the way. There's always like something else that that comes up. And he looked at me and he was like, you're going to finish it. This is just a season. It will end you're going to finish it. And I did not believe him at the time, but then Allie got better and we sleep trained Eli. So he was taking naps and things. And we decided we were going to set May 24th to be the book release day because it's our wedding anniversary. And it was just kind of this fitting thing that for whatever reason, you normally release books on Tuesdays and May 24th was a Tuesday. So it's our eight year wedding anniversary. And I am finally publishing this story that I've been trying and trying to write for years. Happy anniversary. Thanks. Two things I took away from what you were saying. One, I want to point it out to folks that it's not, you know, there's a published date for a book, May 24th, this book is going to go live. 
seems like an overnight success, right? We all know, oh yeah, they, the authors worked on a book. This book has been in progress for years, guys. It's, and I think there's also something to be said on how it got pushed. Because I think if you had sat down in 2020, tried to write this book from scratch, it would have been a totally different book than taking those notes from 2015 and that short 15, 20,000 word book that you wrote and then adding in your memories and things of, because if you didn't have that, that rough outline, I think it would be a totally different book than what it is now when you're going back with those notes. And that's what I really like. I think you and Heath both do a really good job of just like getting out a pen and paper or opening up a word document and just putting thoughts on words and then being able to go back and reflect on those allows you to take, you know, seven years to write a book. But I think it makes a better end product because it takes, it's like fine wine. You take the raw grapes and you let mm -hmm. them age and then you add to it and you, you distill it down. And I think that's really cool. But I want to point out that it was not a, hey, let's write another book. And four months later, it's done and published. <laughs> if only it was that way. But it's like, but the book like this and you know, when I wrote my first book, it was very how-to. It was very educational, very different style of writing than what I normally do, which is on our blog is a lot more story-based of here's this crazy story that unfolded while we were on the road. And that's kind of the style of my book. And when it's something like that, it's so much more personal and emotional that just getting the pen to paper and getting it out takes more time than me saying, here's the different GPS options that you have for your RV. This is the one we don't like. This is the one we do like, like that's easy to just recite. It takes a lot of pulling to get a, a story like this out of you. And that's something Heath and I were talking about last night is he's really excited. He has two books that he wants to write and like it's Heath. So he wants to like write them both tomorrow and like get them out because he's like, so, so excited. And I was like, look, if you want to if you have, you know, XYZ timeframe, write the book that's the more how-to book and you can get it out in three or four months because you know the subject matter if you're going to be teaching on it and you're a good writer like Heath and I have been writing for almost 10 years and we can do that. But if you're wanting to write this other book that's going to be pulling out these emotional lessons and kind of introspective of trying to understand like why things happen or whatever his second book is, is Runway, which I know he's talked about on this um, podcast many times before, wanting to write a book on the concept of Runway. That's going to take a lot longer than a few months because you have to go back and you have to think through, oh, this hard time building this company or the first time on the road whenever we filmed a conference for free, knowing that we were losing money because we had to rent equipment but in the long run hopefully that would all pay off because we could get more clients and, and figuring out things like that it takes a lot to put that into a book you think at your core do you tend more because you did the video production you did hourly america you've done blogs and writing and books are you a writer or a videographer I am so much better at writing than I am at video. If you watch our Hourly America documentary, so like our first year on the road, we did our documentary of going all 50 states. I'm writing this book of going all 50 states. They're very different. The documentary is like all Heath working his 50 jobs. This book is really all about the, the journey of actually RVing and traveling to all 50 states. And that documentary, I've watched a few clips of it trying to like, pull the exact dialogue of conversations into my book. And the footage is just cringy to me. I mean, this was my very first time filming like 
the very first job that Heath worked was my very first day to film. His second job was the second day. Like at the end, it gets significantly better, but the beginning part is so hard for me to watch. And I, I had a note in my book and Heath told me to take it out. And I was like, if you want to watch a really mediocre documentary with really blurry, shaky, often dark footage, go watch our documentary because that is what I see whenever I watch it. Cause I just didn't have the experience, but about halfway through our trip, we bought a new camera that was a little bit higher res. And we met some people on the road who ran video production companies and had them kind of teach us a few just basic tips of how to use the camera, how to frame up shots with people in them and things like that. And realize that, hey, the margins are way better on video work than on writing. You can charge thousands of dollars to do film shoots and they can last multiple days versus writing alone and getting maybe a hundred dollars for a blog post. And so we really leaned into video early on and I got significantly better at it. I love filming weddings. That was like the thing that I loved most as far as being able to be a creative videographer. It required us to stay in one place in the RV which was kind of the big con of it. We would ha- we would get contracts for boring videography jobs of like filming an online course where like the camera is on the tripod and someone's talking to the camera. Just simple stuff like that. And we would go and travel to those places. So we got clients in Canada and, and Portland and San Diego, wherever we wanted to go travel so that we could go do those things. But whenever we were still for a season, we would go to Austin and I would film weddings every weekend with our friend, Jim, who was filming weddings at the time. I would go second shoot with him. And really, we just fell in love with video and the creativity of it and the ways that you could play with it and find different types of work that you could do. And so we did video production until 2017. So we did it for about two and a half, three years before we were like, okay, we've paid off all of our student debt. We've kind of got a little bit of savings. Now we can kind of switch and then focus on the work that we really want to do more of, which was writing. Thinking about the book and going back a little bit to the, how long it, it took from start to finish, you know, cause it, it really started when you guys got married and left. Cause that's where the content came from. Mm-hmm. Did it play into anything that you now have kids? Thinking back as like, this is a memoir of, you know, the first 18 to 24 months of our, our life together. Mm -hmm. Did you write anything differently these last two years than you did in 2015, knowing that now you've got two kids and a growing family, Mm -hmm. this is something that they're going to be able to read. I'm going to be able like, were you thinking generationally forward more now than you were then? Yes. They're like, they were like small curse word, like quotes of like things that I have this on video saying or whatever, that as soon as like Heath read it, he's like, babe, you got to take all this out. Like we can't, you can't let Ellie read that. I said a bad word (laughs) once decades ago, never, but yeah, like things like that really come into play. We're like, gosh, how am I going to portray myself as this young girl new to being an adult and getting married and like my daughter's gonna maybe maybe read this one day and like relate to that or how could I make her 
relate to that or give her some sort of understanding of like who her mom was before she was around, like all of those questions ping around in your head. And I don't feel like I have any answers to them because I've been a mom for less than three years, but it's, it's just so impactful in ways that I wouldn't have imagined because I have all the notes from the first time that I wrote the book. And like, as I'm writing it, as I'm editing it, I'm thinking, okay, how can I make this something that will stand the test of time in a lot of ways, but specifically for your kids. It's just like this weird mind trip where for years, Heath and I never thought about, you know, we're building things like RV entrepreneur. Like we never thought about, oh, Ellie might listen to this or that even like other parents might listen to this while their kids are around. But now it's like, oh my gosh, like I, I could never put a curse word in my book. And then what if someone's listening to it as an audiobook and their three-year-old is in the car? Like, I don't want to be responsible for that. Like, these are the thoughts that run through your head. Yeah. So as with most books, there is a lot of room for expansion compared to video. You know, the documentary was just about 50 minutes long, but it spanned 18 months. There's a lot that did, that is laying on the cutting floor that did not make it into mm-hmm. the documentary. Did you find that to be the case with the book as well, that you just now going back and, and knowing you're going to make it a book that you're going to publish and it's it's mm-hmm. going to be full of these memories. Were there things that you had to leave out just because there's not enough space? Or did you find that you were able to tell your whole story and, and pour it all out onto the page and, and get what you was in your heart out? There's about 30,000 words that I wrote and edited that I've cut from this final version of the book, at least 30,000. And there's a lot of stories that I had like bullet pointed in my outline that I never wrote about because I, you know, realized they wouldn't work with the overarching story of the book or like some of the blog posts I've shared on our website about Heath losing his job as soon as we told them we were going to go RV or about this truck camper seller that we're going to go like the next day and go buy his truck camper. And he calls Heath and cusses him out. It's just like, these are the crazy stories of things that happened before we got on the road or once we got on the road and we couldn't make them fit into this final draft of the book. So there's a, a ton of stories that didn't get put in, but I kept a, um, you know, when you were like in school and you had like an agenda and it's got like each day with like the lines on it. I got one of those little like school agendas at Walmart, like right when we first started traveling and I wrote in it every day when we were traveling and like, we camped at Sheffield RV park and we made popcorn or we mm-hmm. played at the mini golf putt-putt course on the campground property or, or whatever, like little notes about our day and where we stayed and, and things like that. And I was able to go through and try to pull as many details from that as possible to put in my book. But then when I'm like flipping through it, I'm like, oh, I, oh, I could have talked about that. Oh, I should have mm. shared meeting this person. So there's always so much that you can put into a book. And like, if I was giving anyone advice on writing a, a memoir or writing a travel log or anything like that, it's like, you have to mentally put yourself in a position of, I'm going to have to cut maybe 50% of this to make this a good story that people want to read. Like I've read a lot of travel memoirs and travel stories 
as I've written my book to kind of inform how should the story arc flow and what stories are good to be included and which ones aren't and which ones are funny and what makes you a relatable character and all these questions are running through my head and the biggest thing that I see the books that don't have a lot of reviews or don't have very good reviews have done is that it reads like a diary and it's like we did this we did that and then the next day we did this and then this happened and the ones that are really popular are very much like here's the story and I cannot believe that this happened and here's how I felt and then automatically this next thing happened it just like kicked me when I was down and it like just flows from story to story in a way that like a novel would flow from story to story right when you read a novel it's not like I walked into the stop shop I picked up a cup like that's just like too much too much like I did this I did that and not enough making the reader feel like they're with you and they're in the RV and it's rickety and loud and it's leaking and there's a towel on the floor and, and really setting the scene so that people feel like they're traveling with you. Why write this as a book? Why not write it as a series of blog posts that would then allow you to go deeper into each of those individual stories? And you know, like when you find something in your notes, you said, oh, oh I could have talked about that. If you were doing a series of blog posts, you could have done that. What is alluring to you about having a one and done front cover, back cover book versus telling the story through something like a blog post? I've got two answers to that. The first one is that our first year on the road, there was not a demand for an RVing blog. Like there's a thousand of them now. So when we first got on the road, we had no intentions whatsoever of blogging about RVing and RV life because in our mind, no one was interested in that. And it wasn't until I, I want to say it wasn't until a year later when we were like in Alaska that we started sharing the costs of going to all 50 states and how we found lodging and food and, and all these like kind of logistical details that our email list just like surged of now people were actually like looking at this or maybe they were before and we just were oblivious, right? And that was kind of when we were like, okay, we should actually write more about RVing. And all of these stories, like they'd already happened. And so it would, it felt weird to then like share a story from a year ago versus why don't I just share what's going on in the RV right now? So in a lot of ways, it felt like we just, we just missed our, our time, our gap to actually share these stories of what life was like on the road. But in another sense, like why a blog or a book, book's going to make you more money if you are good at publishing a book if you have people that are gonna read it if you've done your market research and you know that there's a market for that book versus a blog it lives for such a short period of time Heath and I were talking about this the other day a blog will have a big spike that first day that you publish it and share it and that spike will go down gradually and maybe that blog post still exists eight years later but three people have read it in the past year, which is the truth with many of our old blog posts, right? Like they just don't get that traffic after so many years versus my book that we put on Amazon in 2017. It's 2022 now, almost five years later. And I had a few hundred people download my book yesterday. And so seeing that where you publish your information really, really matters, especially, I mean, it matters from like a financial perspective of like, 
it's not as easy to monetize a blog as it is to monetize a product that you can then sell on your blog, i.e. a book. If you want to just monetize like the page, you've got to maybe try to pull in some affiliates or maybe put in ads or something like that. But then if you have ads, then it's all dependent on your traffic. So you really need to up your traffic. And so there's all these different, you know, ways that you can kind of look at it financially. But if you want to look at it from how long a product can live, there are books that are decades old that are still selling well today because they've stood the test of time and they've been forefront for people on you know, websites like Amazon, which is where I buy all of my books and it's where I sell my books because it's like the number one bookseller in the world, not just America, but in the world. And my blog post is, or my blog, my website is never going to compete with something like Amazon. So you got to really look at where do I want to put this product for the most people to actually see it and read it and be impacted by it. Yeah, I think there's also a bit of levity or immediate credentials when someone has published a book. You know, you spent how many how many hours pouring into this book to get a finished product, where a blog post, you know, a big blog post could take eight hours. You know, and yeah. there's a significant difference in the amount of intentionality that goes into a blog post versus a book. Absolutely, so much intention, so much time. When the book's done and out there. What is success going to look like from the standpoint of publishing this book? Is it going to be a number of copies sold? Is it going to be the stories that are sent back to you uh, after people read it? What, what are your tick marks of how you're going to measure whether this endeavor was successful? Or is it none of that matter and you needed to get this story out onto paper, you did it, and you know the 24th of May when it publishes, you've succeeded. It's a good question. I want to say first, my first book. So I'm like created, I'm a spreadsheet person. I created two master spreadsheets for each of my books and I just copied the first one. So I had the format, right? So I was looking at this the other day and it showed me my goals that I set for my first book, which was I wanted to get 50 reviews in the first week and I wanted to make $50 monthly recurring revenue from Amazon from my book, just like very number focused goals. Mm -hmm. And I hit those goals and that was like really exciting. And I was telling Heath, you know, my goals for this book is I want to make a thousand dollars monthly recurring revenue. And I want to get those 50 reviews that first week. And I think it was 5,000 copies in my first month. And I'm more nervous about hitting those goals with this book that I was my first book, partially because they're higher numbers, but because it's not that how-to style book, it's this more emotional memoir travel. Like it, it's a totally different style of book and it won't sell as well, more likely. I don't know. I can't predict the future compared to something that is how-to that can last for years and, and years. And so Heath and I were talking about it and he was like, well, what's the most meaningful thing that came out of your first book? I was like, oh, like right now, five years after I published my book, two to three people a week email me saying they just read my book and how helpful it was and how they're getting on the road. He was like, well, that should be your goal for this next book. Like, how does that make you feel when you read that something that you wrote that you slaved over for hours, weeks, days, months, years is impacting people 
in helping them learn this new skill or feel confident in RVing. And so that for me, I think I said the number of like 12, I want to hear from like 12 people after they read my book that they are able to start traveling or start their own business or feel empowered to like set the goal to go travel to all 50 states or, or whatever it is that is in their hearts and in their minds that they want to do. Because when you write a book, it takes so much out of your like soul and your heart to then feel like you've actually impacted someone's decisions and made a difference in someone's life. It like fills that all right back up. And so for me with this book, if I can hear from maybe other newlyweds or solo female travelers or families who are like, Hey, I read your book. And then, you know, I saw in your afterward that you're still traveling with your two kids in Italy and, and, and all of that, like that for me was like, okay, this is possible. I'm going to go do this with my family. That would be the biggest five-star review <laughs> that I could get. Mm-hmm. Did you make that ask in the book of having people let you know and contact you afterwards? No, I have one thing in the book about like, if you want my internet provider to send me an email, (laughs) uh, which I do get a lot of those emails, but I do get, you know, Instagram messages and and things like that too. I have, I'd have to look, I have a resources section in my book in my first book that says like, if you, you know, visit this, visit our website, like you can contact us or here's our email address. Probably maybe, I don't know. That's a good question. I would encourage you to think about that. It sounds like it's something that's super important to to get feedback about it and hear from it. And, you know, blog writing, especially, and then books, it's all one way, podcasting too. There's not a whole lot of immediate interaction. And I think sometimes if we don't ask for it, folks forget, even if they were interested. So if that's something that's super important to you, you may consider putting it in there and asking for, making the ask of saying, hey, just reach out to me. I'd love to connect with you. Yeah, that's a good idea. So if we, as the Every Entrepreneur community, can help you out by going and getting this book. One, what's the, do we have a working title at the moment? Working title is RVing Across America, A Quest to Visit All 50 States. Okay. And if we are interested in checking out the book, where can we go to find it? You'll be able to find it on Amazon, or if you go just to heathandalissa.com slash book, that will take you right to Amazon as well. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to add for today, Alyssa? This community that, you know, Heath and I have built and been a part of over the years from podcast episodes to meetups to summits to just like interacting with people in the comments and in the Facebook group and things like that has just completely changed our lives in so many ways to where once we met you guys, once we met these people that were like us, that wanted to travel that wanted to run a business it was almost like all that fear and insecurity that was in us that we could keep traveling that we could keep doing what we love it just kind of zapped it was just like this moment where we realized hey we're figuring this out and we're making this up as we go along but here's all these people that are along for the journey that are willing to listen to us on this podcast before we even had a good mic and just talk about Hey, here's the woes of starting our video production company, or here's the woes of us trying to figure out how to 
right on the road and make enough money and all these things like that. And so to be able to have y'all's support and y'all's interest in the same things that we're interested in has just made the biggest difference in our lives. And it's the reason why Heath and I now can keep traveling and do these things that we love of writing books and sharing stories of these different businesses and things that we've run on the road for the past eight years of travel still makes me feel old, but I just want to say thank you guys for, for coming along on this journey with us. Wow. That's awesome. And I will collectively speak for the community. Thank you. Because I think (laughs) I personally, and I know countless numbers of people that I've talked to that without the RV entrepreneur community, our lives would be vastly different. So hear this in that what you do matters. It has mattered and continues to matter. And what you and Heath have built is something that has definitely changed the course of history in many people's lives. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, Joshua. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to check out the book. And uh, again, everyone, if you want to head over to Amazon or heathandlissa.com and check out Alyssa's new book and uh, make sure you, you reach out to her and give her some personal feedback at the end after you read it. Thanks for being on, Alyssa. This was great. Thank you, Joshua. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alyssa. She is a huge part of the RV entrepreneur community and her story and his story, their story combined is the basis for this entire community, this podcast, the Facebook community, the summits. So I encourage you, if you get a moment, head on over to heathandalyssa.com slash book and go check out Alyssa's new book. Again, the title is RVing Across America, A Quest to Visit All 50 States. You can also find it on Amazon. And if you grab the book and you enjoyed it, make sure you reach out directly to Alyssa. You can send her an email, info at heathandalyssa.com or reach out on their website. I know that she didn't necessarily put that metric or that request into her book, but I think that she really would like to get that direct feedback of, you know, are you one of those people that read the book, got inspired, started traveling, started their own business on the road? I think as an author, those things are really important to hear. So definitely reach out and give that some of that direct feedback. It'll be interesting to see how many more books Heath and Alyssa come out with. It sounds like Heath has two more in them. Who knows? Maybe their next thing will be a publishing company called Paget Publishing. That'll be their next entrepreneurial journey. If you think that's a good idea, head on over to the RVE Facebook group. You can reach that at rventrepreneur.com slash Facebook group and join over 18,000 people and entrepreneurs in that group having off-air conversations about everything entrepreneurial. Again, if you're interested in connecting with us on all of the social medias, the rventrepreneur.com slash connect. And if you have a question or comment or feedback, you can go leave us a voicemail at therventrepreneur.com slash voicemail. We just set up a brand new voicemail system. Previously, we were using the Anchor software that, that we host the podcast with, but now we're using something called SpeakPipe. And so it will not require you to sign in. If you jumped on that voicemail link before, you had to create an account with Anchor, and it was, it was just really clunky. So we got this new software in, this new system. We'd love to hear from you. Jump on over to rventrepreneur.com slash voicemail. Leave us a voicemail, a comment, a question, or feedback for the show. And if you would like to be a guest or someone you know would be a good guest for the RV Entrepreneur podcast, send them over to the rventrepreneur.com slash guest form, and we'll try and get you on the show. Well, that's all I have for today. We'll catch you on the next one. Happy trails. See you on the road. Bye.